Thank you for tuning in to episode 11. Today we're with Anne-Marie and we're discussing how to become your most authentic self. We discuss the assumptions that we make about other people to create certainty in our lives, the drama dynamic of the victim, rescuer, and prosecutor, building a champion mindset, and how our inner critic has been created to protect ourselves. I hope you enjoy this episode. All I know is that I just have this like internal passion. I don't know where it comes from. It's just seeing how people can thrive if they just get out of their own way. And what I notice so much about, you know, women, especially not just women, but you know, that's kind of been my focus lately is that how we unconsciously or maybe even consciously hold ourselves back from being who we're meant to be. And so I just have this passion. It's like, how do I help women bring out their full authenticity? Because once they're authentic, then that's when they thrive. And even just how, what is it that's holding them back? And they don't necessarily know. A lot of people don't necessarily know what is holding them back because it's a script that they've been, you know, that they've grown with for so many years that it's now unconscious. So it's like, how do we bring consciousness to the barriers that we have internally? And then, you know, just notice and name it for what it is without judgment. Let's not judge what is showing up in terms of a script. And then how do we start picking away at those belief systems? So we can start to bring out what I call our inner champion, which is our authentic self. And how do we start bringing that back out into the space and into the world? And that's when... We start to thrive. That's when we start to really, you know, grow as an individual. That's when we start to feel that all that energy that we used to have as a child and that creativity and all this stuff that we've held back. And then we also take a lot less, we put a lot less emphasis on what other people are thinking. And, you know, the social media and all this sort of stuff, the whole comparison cycle that we go through it's like that becomes even less because it's like you know what no I'm really happy with who I am internally and when I bring that out I feel like I find my own tribe so that tribe is you know the tribe will find me when I bring that authenticity out it'll just show up you know surround people that kind of bring out your authentic self yeah yeah it's like that cycle right so it kind of manifests itself so you bring out your true authentic self which gives other people permission to bring out their authenticity and you know it's like wow like I want to be a part of that too and then you start to create this whole new tribe of people that are just wanting to thrive and have rediscovered themselves and then they bring forth and this just you know hopefully uh, like that ripple effect and it feeds into a positive loop yeah yeah for the um inner dialogue that sometimes happens mm-hmm. people often it seems puts their put their own inner critic into somebody else so you'll have like yes. a running dialogue in your head of just assuming how everybody's going to respond to you but really it's still your own voice yeah you haven't even given anybody else the opportunity to respond to who you are or your authentic self. Yes. Because you've already decided what their dialogue is going to be, but it's just your, it's your speaking to yourself. Well, this is what I love. And I'm going to be bringing this up and we'll talk about this later is in this women's summit. And, um, 
it's all about the, the assumptions that we create, the belief systems that we have, and how we fill in the blanks of what we don't know about somebody else. So I only know so much about you, you only know so much about me, and so what I don't believe or what I don't know is the dot, dot, dot at the end of the sentence, right? So, you know, I know you, your name is Roz, you're an incredible massage therapist, you do so much for other people, yada, 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 dot, dot, dot. And what that dot, dot, dot is, I don't know. What I will do, though, is that I'll fill in that dot, dot, dot so I, with my own belief system and it, so I can put a period, so I can create certainty in my life. So that's certainty, like we're hardwired for certainty. So that we just want to have certainty. So if we have a negative belief system about ourselves or if, we have, if we're living through fight or flight and we bring that into the space, then that's going to be a belief system that I have around you. If I feel less than you, if I feel better than you, if I have judgment and judgment is kind of driving the bus, then that's, I'm going to, I'm going to inject judgment in my belief system about you. If I have compassion, if I have empathy, if I have, you know, curiosity, I might put that belief system in there about you with a period at the end. So it's about how, just like you said, it's like, how, what do we believe about ourselves is how we kind of show up and how we see others. So if I have a negative belief system and I say, well, you know, you're such a great massage therapist and, you know, why can't I do that? Well, she must be doing something, you know, that I'm not doing or something along those lines. And all of a sudden I'm making up this really negative script about you and I'm feeling threatened by that. It has everything to do with what's showing up inside of me. It has nothing to do with you. So one of the things that I do when I work with clients and I work with organizations, is like, how do we clear the assumptions about the other person? Because that, that, that assumption has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with what's showing up inside of us. And then how do we even have a conversation about that? How do we create that psychological safety with each other and that trust with each other that we can say, you know what? I have this really crazy assumption and I'd like to clear it with you. Because it has nothing to do with you, with you. It just has everything to do with me. I want to, I want to talk to you about that. And it's a really vulnerable position to be in. And at the same time, we can get there if we do have authenticity. So it's it's kind of a that's the long road. The short road is just noticing that whatever the judgment is that shows up about us and that assumption has nothing to do with the other person. And that's sometimes really sort of like a hard pill to swallow because people don't necessarily understand that or get that until such time as they have, you know, they come to some of my retreats and that type of thing and they start to open up their mindset. Well, that acknowledgement requires ownership. Yeah. And sometimes ownership can be difficult mm -hmm. if you've already placed the responsibility on somebody else. Yeah. Because then you can just be a passenger in it and whatever happens is out of your control and yeah. you don't have to actually take ownership over your script or even your actions. Because yeah. you've now placed it on somebody else, yeah. them unknowingly. But then that also comes back on you because now you are going to make the assumption somebody's going to do the exact same thing back on you. And then you look for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so there's this other model that I use when I, and again, I'll talk about this at the Women's Summit and I'll talk about this at the next retreat that I do in June. And it's all about what's called the drama dynamic. And so in this drama, the dreaded drama triangle, there's always one central role player, and that is the victim. And we've all been the victim, whether we want to admit to it or not. We've all played the victim. 
and that victim's mindset is like, poor me, I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy, whatever those negative thoughts are, that's the victim mindset. And that in this drama dynamic or in this drama triangle, there's two other characters. There's the rescuer and then there's the persecutor. And the rescuer loves a victim because then the rescuer can fix the victim. So then they have a really important role. So the victim is looking for a rescuer, right? They're looking for that attention. They're looking for that opportunity to be fed. The rescuer loves the victim because then they feel like they're actually playing a really important role. And then there's the, um, so it's like this codependency. And then there is the persecutor, where the persecutor can, it's like, oh, now I can, you know, I can bully the victim or I can feel better than the victim or I can, you know, put that victim down, which makes me feel really good. And that makes me not be a victim. That persecutor can also be ourselves where we beat ourselves up. So how do we flip that triangle and how do we go from victim to creator? to a champion mindset? How do we go from playing the victim role is like, how do I create from this situation versus be victim to it? And instead of being a rescuer, how do we coach somebody through um, a situation? So we're not, you know, in that soul sucking environment, right? So we and allow the person to be naturally creative, resourceful and whole and let them and put them, hold them at high regard and know that they have the answers inside if they were given the opportunity to find it themselves. And then how do you go from persecutor to positively challenge either ourselves or the other person? So how do we cheerlead that person? Or how do we cheerlead ourselves? And so it's all about noticing and how do we flip the switch? And again, it we, we can toggle back and forth. And, you know, we've all played, again, we can all play victim from time to time. It's just, again, how do we notice this? Like, oh my gosh, I just realized I'm playing the victim here. Okay, great. Well, let's just notice it for what it is. Let's just look at this as simply information. And then if things were, you know, if I was to make that change, how do I create from this versus become victim to it? Yeah, it's changing your the traditional thought process. Yes. Which is an uphill battle. And like you and I had discussed previously before starting this, is um, you create these two-day retreats. Mm -hmm. And some people think that they can move mountains within two days. Yeah. And some people do. Some people are already in a space where they can change a significant amount in two days. Mm -hmm. But for a lot of people, that's not always the case. Absolutely. And I think that if we can set ourselves up to realize that what I'm going to be offering during these retreats is information and go with that information see what lands with you from those two days and know that the real work happens after the retreat the real work happens after you go home and you start taking some of the learnings and putting into practice that's when the real aha moments happen because it's just like you know there's no such thing as one and done one and done's usually give us nothing so you know if i was to say okay Roz, all i want to do is i just want to go on a 12-week diet and for 12 weeks, I'm just going to, you know, I just want to lose 40 pounds. It's like, okay, great. I can put you on a 12-week diet. I can put you on this egg white diet. And then what? Right? And then if I'm not going to change my habits and behaviors, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, this is going to be a, a, a continual roller coaster. So it's the same thing. I want to go to a retreat, and I want to be fixed. It's like, okay, well, after the retreat, then what are you going to do? Are you going to take it into practice, or are you just going to forget about it? 
And unfortunately, some people go in and they just want to be fixed. It's like, well, we're not here to fix you. We're here to help empower you. We're here to empower what you already know and help you bring that back out in yourself. So that's, if you go in with that approach, then the learning is going to happen over time. And then all of a sudden, you take that, some of that learning. And all of a sudden, like I said to you that today, it's like I had a phone call from one of the participants from my November retreat. So here it is almost, uh, what, six weeks later. And they had this huge, huge aha moment just today from that retreat. But it, took, it, it takes that amount of time to kind of digest it and kind of learn from it and then see it come into fruition once they start taking action after the retreat. It's not passive. Sometimes people come in with a misconception that with the idea of being fixed, that it's kind of like a mechanic working on a car yeah. and you're like very passive in it. You're not actively you know, engaging because you just expect the other person to feed you something right. that is going to you know, solve all your problems. I find the same thing with therapy. People come in for therapy and they want it to be just a very passive, I don't want an active role in knowing why. I just want you to fix me. It's mm -hmm. your job. You fix me. You give, but it's more or less an education and giving you the tools to help yourself. Yes. Because you can't just be a passive well, passenger in your own life. Yes. You're in the driver's seat. Right. And it goes back to that victim mentality again where you're just letting somebody else take the wheel and then you don't have to take any responsibility yeah. for the bad but at the same time that it gives you no opportunity to take the credit for the good right because you just see yourself as a passive yeah involvement in your own life and you just see it pass by and i think that's a big fear for a lot of people yeah yeah is to just watch it all pass by well yeah and so like when I, when I work with people in the retreats, that's one of the things that I talk about is like, first of all, let's just start uncovering what the, what the script has been in our life for all these years. And who is our inner critic? So who is driving the bus? So, and a lot of times it's an inner critic. So let's even just discover who this inner critic is. And I always say is that that inner critic is not us. It is a script that has been built to protect our, ourselves from what the brain thinks is danger. So the brain has no idea, you know, what's real danger and what's perceived danger. But somewhere over our lives, you know, as children, we want unconditional love. And if we're not getting that unconditional love, then we're going to start to change or hide some of our authenticity in the hopes of getting some level of love. So what are we changing? to get some sort of level of trust, whether it be from our parents, from an authority figure, from peers, from teachers, whoever out, out there in society. And so what are we, what are we hiding? What are we choosing to hide to get that trust, or sorry, to get that unconditional love? And then all of a sudden we start to protect ourselves. And that's where the critic, that's the critic's role. It's like, I'm gonna protect you from this perceived danger. Um, so, you know, we, maybe we put ourselves down. Well, we put ourselves down maybe to protect us from someone else putting us, us down, right? Or we, we feed ourselves, whether it be with unhealthy food, with unhealthy um, relationships or something that's not serving us. Well, that's a critic as well to, to kind of protect us from some sort of perceived threat out there. So there's all these things that it's like, I always say it's like this, 
critic is not us. So the people that that voice that's shouting in our in our head and kind of suppressing our, us is not us. It's something that we have created to what they think is this critic thinks is protecting us from. So once we start to kind of notice and name this critic and start have putting like sort of creating the character for this critic, it has a lot less power because then it's all of a sudden it's been discovered. So it doesn't have that same level of manipulation. And then once we discover it, then we can start to reframe some of the words that we say about ourselves or about others. It's like, how do we reframe some of the talk that we, that we have? How do we accept compliments? Um, and how do we give compliments? Um, the other thing is, after all of that, it's like, how do we now get to rediscover who our inner champion is? And that inner champion is in there, and that's our authenticity. And how do we start bringing that out slowly but surely? And bringing and bringing that empowerment back to that inner champion, and that's where the real magic is. Um, so you're right. Two days. That's where the information comes from. It's it's a lifelong evolution. That you know, there's always going to be that internal battle. Critic, champion, critic, champion. There's always going to be that internal battle. Sometimes a critic will win. Hopefully, more times a champion will. So how do we start to strengthen that champion muscle and bring that more to the forefront? That's, that's where the real work is. And it's repetitions over time. You yeah. need to give the opportunity to build that strength in the champion. Yes. Because it is that positive feedback loop. The more you bring it out, the more it wants to come out. Yeah. And it can, it can grow stronger. Yeah. It's, it's not a, a drain like, you know, the idea of willpower yeah. or motivation. You feed into it and then it becomes easier. Yeah. Well, think about it. I mean, the, the type of work that you do and everything. I mean, you work with athletes. And so you can see where maybe a muscle is atrophied, right? And so in order for them to sort of rebuild that muscle, they need repetition. So, you know, this is the same thing with mindset. It's like it's just building that mental muscle, and that's where repetition is really going to come in. So it might be, it's going to be very conscious at first. Really have to be conscious to, to repeat and repeat and repeat until such time is that you don't even realize that you're doing it now. It's just a part of your language. It's just about a part of your DNA. It's just going to take time to continually repeat, repeat, repeat until such time as you don't even realize you're doing it. It's just a part of who you are. How did you do that for yourself? Because you have set some pretty amazing goals for yourself. Yeah. Like you, you have done some outstanding, like, well, just you in the, um, fitness realm like mm. that was amazing <laughs> and seeing all your like flashbacks to like yeah. what you accomplished can you tell us a little bit about that because you know you are in a you, you practice what you preach yeah like you are the epitome of you know champion and I'm not saying you don't have to be perfect all the time no but like you you've established these goals and you've set high standards for yourself and you've met them. Yeah. So tell people what kind of success that you've gotten. This This is just amazing. Well, I would say I almost have to kind of go back to many, many, many moons ago where I used to compete as a figure skater. I think that, I mean, I started figure skating when I was five years old. So I just kind of got into this mental mindset, I think at a very young age. Um, and then I, went into the military for a number of years and I really didn't like the work that I was doing. I was in the Naval Reserves and anyway, and then I saw this posting for 
to become a military scuba diver. And so I thought, well, I should just give it a try because uh, I don't like the, the work that I'm doing. Um, so I signed up and I got to try out to be, to get onto the course. You have to do all these really grueling tests before you get onto the course. So what I didn't tell them um, is that I'm claustrophobic and I don't really like the water. And at the <laughs> same time, I kind of go, well, that just can't be a problem, right? Yeah. So anyway, so then I had to go through all of these different tests, like going to decompression chamber, which of course is like, this looks like a big furnace tank. Um, I had to, you know, uh, get in the water and they would pull your masks off when you don't realize that they're going to do it. And all these other tests you have to do. And I was tested time and time and time again, how to overcome this fear. And this is where I get into, you know, that is, was life changing for me. This course was life changing for me because I could have chosen, again, one of the things that I talk about in my retreat is how do you shift yes, but to yes, and. So yes, but is a stop word. And how do you go into yes, and. So now how do you describe maybe an adversity and another truth? So both might be true. It's just how, which one are you going to choose to, to, to work with or to follow? So I could have said, you know, I'm, I want to become, oh, that's the other thing, is that if I took this course, that was really what was the driving factor. If I took this course and completed it, I would be Atlantic Canada's very first female military scuba diver. So that was the driver. Yeah. And so I could have said, I want to become, you know, Atlantic Canada's very first female military scuba diver, but I'm claustrophobic and I don't like the water. So I could have done that and chosen not to take the course. What I chose to do is acknowledge I'm not I'm not a big fan of the water and I'm claustrophobic and I'm gonna become Atlantic Canada's very first female military scuba diver. So what feels different there? Very positive way of looking at it. You're not stopping yourself. Right. And I'm also not I'm not ignoring You're the not fact denying. I'm not denying no. that I have an adversity, just like we all have adversities. We all have that's the human condition. The human experiences are always there's always gonna be something, right? So it's like okay, acknowledge it. And also keep moving forward. And so, again, I got tested time and time again in this course. You know, am I going to listen to, the, you know, the, this internal belief system or this internal fear? Um, that isn't real. You know, I kept thinking Jaws is going to come get me because mm -hmm. thanks to my old two older brothers that used to always play the Jaws song and whenever I touched a body of water. Um, you know, am I going to choose to listen to that? Or am I going to choose to listen to what my goal is, and that's to become the first female military scuba diver here in Atlanta, Canada? So thank goodness I did listen to the second one because I got my badge, and then I became the first female first female military scuba diver. And then when I did that, um, one of the things is that when I was taking the course, I'm not a you know very tall big person. And I was having a hard time carrying all my equipment around. So I thought, I'm going to start going to the gym and start lifting weights. And I realized is that through, you know, lifting weights, I can actually sculpt my body a certain way. And that fascinated me. I thought, this is so cool that I can, you know, change this muscle or that muscle. And I can sculpt my body a certain way. And that got me really intrigued about bodybuilding. 
And so then in my 20s, I took, you know, I competed in two bodybuilding court, uh, two bodybuilding championships and I won overall both. And then I went from bodybuilding to what I say building bodies where I, I had two kids. Yeah. And I raised a family. So I took 20 years off competing in my sport. And then at age 47, someone approached me at the gym and said, have you ever considered going into competition? And I said, well, you know, I've done it before. So you should really do it again. It's like, hmm, there's a challenge. And so again, I could have said, yeah, but I'm 47 years old. I've got two kids. I've got a full-time job. Yeah, X, Y, Z. I could, I could fill it in. I could fill in my desires and just bury it if I wanted to with a quicksand of, criti of critical thinking. Or I could say, okay, how do I, how do I, how do I move forward with all of the truths in my life? I have, yes, I have two kids. Yes, I have a full-time job. You know, yes, yes, yes. And I want to get back on stage. So then that's kind of how I approached it. And then I started competing again. And I got fast-tracked into the national level. I've won my national, I won at nationals, which got me onto the world stage. And I started competing at the world stage. And at age, almost at age 54, I was, I was on, my last competition was in Spain, 2019. That's and an amazing experience. Yeah, that was, that was an amazing experience. So, you know, again, what is what's the limitations that we choose to um, listen to? Again, we all have limitations, and how do we continue to move forward anyway? And I think that's where I'm so passionate about. It's like let's even just notice what is it that's really holding us back? Is it discomfort, and we're using excuses to say, "Well, but I have two kids," or "But I have this," "But I have that." You know, what is, or do we kind of drive ourselves forward anyway, knowing that these things are still a part of our life and knowing that it's going to be uncomfortable getting to what we, to what we really, our ultimate, you know, desire in life. That's really hard. And it can, we can be really vulnerable. If we, if, we, if there's something that we really, really want, it can be really vulnerable, a feeling of vulnerability. It's like, what if I fail? What if, you know, what oh, if the what ifs pile up? The what ifs pile up yeah. like crazy. And that's where that inner champion can really help us to overcome all those what ifs. There's going to be what ifs no matter what. <laughs> right? So, you know, it's just how do we kind of push through that noise of the what ifs and the buts? And how do we keep moving forward anyway? Well, and for those what ifs, you're kind of they turn into a very negative spiral, but mm -hmm. you, you could go positive with your what ifs. Yes. You know, instead of what if I fail, what if, what I, if I succeed, exactly. you know, instead yeah. of going, you know, but, um, I, all the reasons why I can't, yeah. you go, but these are the reasons why I can. Right. Where, you know, you shift yourself to the positive. You can create a totally different story for yourself. Yeah. Um, for some people, the negatives are just a safety net, right? Yeah. Because now you've created the excuse so that if you do fail, you haven't put your full effort into it. Yeah. And so you can go back to, well, I didn't really try because I knew that I wouldn't succeed. Yeah. And you've just fed into your own belief system right. of not succeeding. Yeah. There's um, a, a workshop that I do about overcoming unhealthy perfectionism. And that's one of the things that I talk about is that 
one of three things are going to happen with a perfectionist mindset. So perfectionism basically is like, okay, the whole what ifs, you know, if I don't succeed, then I, you know, I'm not going to do, I, I, I failed. So I have to be perfect in order to either get to the next step, in order to ask for that promotion, in order to try for that job, in order to ask somebody out, whatever that is. And then we have this perfectionist mindset that holds us back from getting, from going forward. So I always say, how can we be perfectly imperfect and continue to move forward? So one of three things happen with the perfectionist mindset. Let's say we have a task or a goal. And so we go for that goal. And let's say we reach, the, we reach our goal. Then we undermine the goal. It's like, well, I didn't, I didn't strive high enough. Or I'm going to put myself down because anybody could have done that. Yeah. Right? So I'm going to put myself down because I reached the goal. Or I don't reach the goal. And that's when the victim and the persecutor really loves to take over. It's like, okay, well, I knew I, I, knew I wasn't going to reach that goal. And beat myself up. And, you know, I just proved, see, I proved it. I'm, I'm not good enough. Or I'm going to avoid the goal altogether. Yeah, but you know, this can happen, that can happen, what if, so I'm just not going to do it at all. So whether you do the task or the goal, or you don't do the goal, you're not going to be happy anyway. So that's where it's like, okay, how do I, how do I create from perfect imperfection? How do I actually continue to move forward, knowing that there's going to be adversities, knowing that there's going to be course corrections, knowing that this is not going to be a straight line, and knowing how we can take failure as simply feedback, so we can course correct to continue to move forward. And then look at those three tasks. Okay, let's say I did reach the goal. Then I'm going to accept the fact that I actually did a pretty damn good job. Or I don't reach the goal. So, okay, great. How do I course correct? What did I learn? How do I continue to move forward with, with new learnings from that? And how do I, instead of, instead of avoiding, how do I move forward with that perfect imperfection mindset and continue to go forward and evolve from the goals that I want to I want to create for myself. Why do you think it's so hard for when people reach that goal that they do respond with, well, anybody could have yeah, done this. Down right? and, they, yeah. that, why, why do you think that exists? Like what is, yes. what could be the driver behind that? I think it comes down to, you know, first of all, the, the whole judge, the judgment, whether it be, um, you know, think about how we were raised. Like, you know, don't try to look too arrogant. Yeah, or you know, someone's waving their finger at you. It's like, well, you know, you don't want to look too, you don't want to, you don't want to shine too much, or you know, because you'll make this person feel bad. You you'll make win, right? Yeah, you know, and, and that type of thing. So I think that that's part of it. Society, uh, social media is a can be a killer around you know goal setting. So there's all these sort of uh, feedback that that's coming to us that's that we've either learned or we see on social media or you know in society from our peers that's basically saying don't boast about this and the other thing that I find too is like there's no need to be boasting it's all about how do you feel internally about it so there's no need to kind of you know shout at the top of the world you know I, I accomplished this I did this I did this like no you can do that inside of yourself and say that you know I did a, pre a pretty damn good job with that be okay with that you know you don't have to boast about it but can you give yourself some credit that you did you did this on your own yeah you don't need to publicly display it all the time right no. it doesn't need to be a completely show from roof, rooftops but there's a different way that you can approach it in yourself to be like, yeah i accomplished a goal that i didn't think that was even possible and acknowledge that, that you were a success yeah 
Exactly. Um, so, some of that self-doubt is fed into that whole like, ooh, don't don't mm-hmm. be too big and bright about yeah. things. You know, you don't and then you have the mentality that has been coming up steadily through the ranks of like participation medals. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So right. everybody kind of gets something, but what does that do to the person that actually accomplished first place? Yeah, yeah. And I wonder what it uh it's funny because I when I was growing up we didn't have any of that. Even when my kids were growing up, they didn't have those participation medals. So I'm kind of I find it kind of a foreign thought. I'm not I'm trying to figure out what is it that is what is it that we're trying to avoid? Like and what is it that we're wanting to trying to accomplish with participation medals? I don't know. Well it's something that everybody needs to be acknowledged in the situation mm-hmm. of just showing up. And if you always get a medal for just showing up, are you ever going to set your sights for anything higher than just mm. existing? Because mm-hmm. y- you should want to strive for that first place. Yeah. If you're going to get something anyways, yeah. it kind of knocks the wind out of some kid's sales who go, well, 70% is good enough. And I get acknowledged for 70%. And I don't have to put any effort in. Do I really want to put the work in to just get the exact same feedback? Yeah. 90%? Yeah. It's almost like we're avoiding discomfort. You can't avoid discomfort in life. Yeah. It yeah. happens whether right. you want it to or not. Yeah. Yeah. You and can't I, and I control. Think, well, and this is, again, one of the things that I talk about in my retreats is that, you know, think about life as an evolution. So you, we've all seen the butterfly, you know, the caterpillar morph into the butterfly. And I read a story somewhere which said that, you know, you know the caterpillar is going to create the cocoon and then it's going to come out of the cocoon. And when it comes out of the cocoon, it's going to, it's going to struggle to get out of that cocoon. And that if, if there's an intervention, so if we see the, the butterfly struggling to get out and we rescue it, we actually are going to... Um, we're going to make it vulnerable and it's not going to grow and it's not going to strengthen. So if we allow that butterfly to struggle through, which is the part is part of the growing process and part of the strengthening process, then it will, it will thrive. But if we rescue it, it will probably die because it never got that, that muscle growth. It never got the opportunity to, to kind of flap its wings or whatever it is it does to grow, to get out of that cocoon. And so there's, that's the metaphor is like, how do we allow children how do we allow adults to go through that vortex of discomfort and to learn from that sort of dynamic tension and that's where the real growth occurs and if we don't provide that opportunity then there's no reason to course correct there's no reason to learn from failure there's no reason to to grow from you know the learning opportunities that are given to us so what does that offer us in society do we all kind of just sort of meld into this complacency or do we, or do we allow that sort of dynamic tension to create, you know, innovation, to create change, to create growth, to create evolution, you know, continual evolution. So that's why I kind of go, what is it that we're avoiding? Yeah, and is it really accomplishing what we're trying to accomplish with it? Yeah, yeah. It's like you know what I, I, I think there needs to be. Again, I don't know enough about the the metal thing. I just think that there needs to be exposure to um, 
not just the good in life, but the realities of life. Where you know we live in a complex world, we live in a complex body, and we have complex minds. And you know, if we can create resilience around all of that, and I think that's the thing. It's like, are we are we avoiding resiliency through you know these participation levels? Yeah. It kind of goes back to you also the like the idea of a snowplow parent who just removes all possible like negativity out of the way of their child because they don't want them to feel comfortable uncomfortable at yeah. any point in their life. They're like, ooh, gotta remove that because mm-hmm. they might respond negatively to that or oh, you know, yeah. and just plow and that's it all the away. rescuer. Yeah. And that's the rescuer. It's like how are we rescuing others? And it's like we're not giving them the opportunity to to grow from this experience. Well, you're not acknowledging how they could have strength that you don't even realize exists, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Because again, you're creating their their dialogue. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You're deciding how they're <clears throat> going to respond to a situation before even getting them, giving them the chance to respond to the situation. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point. <clears throat> well, it's just like, again, you know, getting ready for any sport or anything. It's like if we just said, okay, all I want everybody to do, they're going to get up the, at the, the sprinting line, you know, the start line. It's like, don't anybody go faster than the other. Everyone's just going to finish at the exact same time. You're all going to win. You're all going to win, so don't yeah. worry. You just, just all I want you to do at this Olympics is just all finish at the same time, and you're all going to get a medal. So the people that are gifted – that are going, you know, just faster than others because they're just naturally gifted. They have to slow themselves down. People that have the opportunity to grow, there's no, there's no opportunity to do that, and they're not going to be learning from peers that are that are that are progressing at, at another at a different pace. So it's like, where's the learning and where's the authenticity, right, with what you're naturally gifted with? So then it's like, you know, it's almost like. We're living in a world of kind of gray or brown versus a world of colors and dynamics and dimensions and and depth. just letting everybody be diverse and themselves. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. If we could just solve the all the world's problems. Well, and <laughs> it's that comparison thing again, right? Like, yeah. why do you have to compare yourself to the person who is better than you? Yeah, because. There's very few people in this world that are the best at what they do mm-hmm. at every moment. Yeah. Right? Like there are going to be people who get surpassed all of the time. And why do you care so much to compare yourself to the winner when you can compare yourself to mm-hmm. who you were yesterday? Yeah. There's something called, um, I read something about what's called the comparison theory. And that we actually naturally compare ourselves all the time. And that is a good thing if we choose to allow it to be a learning opportunity. So we can, so let's just say I'm at a, you know, getting ready for a competition. So I first I started at the regional level. So I was comparing myself against my peers from, you know, to learn. It's like, okay, how do I, you know, I see this person that's doing really well. Okay, what, can, what is this individual doing that I can learn from? So I will compare about, you know, in that, in that way, in a healthy way. And then I make it to the national level. Now I'm comparing at that level. So there's still going to be comparison, but now I'm at a different level. 
And then I make it to the world stage. And now I'm competing against people all over the world. And it's like now I've got a new circle, a new pool to compare myself with. It's the mindset, no matter which level I'm at, it's what's the mindset that I'm going in with when it comes to comparison. Am I comparing in a negative way and putting myself down? Or am I saying, okay, what am I here to, what can I learn from this individual? Okay, this person has got, you know, has done well in this competition. I didn't do well. Okay, what is it that I can do better? And how do I learn from this situation? So how do we use comparison to, to grow and to further us forward? versus it to hold us back you're using it, it again into that positive loop instead yeah. of the negative loop right so you're comparing yourself not in a way to be like i'm not good enough i can't reach that because they have something i don't have mm -hmm. you're comparing it in a way of okay what can i do to improve myself to bring myself up to that level to right. compete right exactly that's right and that's what and this is like Again, I think anything can be perceived positively or negatively. We can all be curious or we can all judge. But it's one thing that's so interesting is that the mind can't be in curiosity mode and judgment mode at the same time. So if we feel ourselves judging, just notice it. It's like, okay, how do I get curious now? How do I get curious about this situation versus judging it? So again, let's say we're, we're both competing, we're both competing in the same sport, you come first, I come last, okay, great. I can come up to you and say, Roz, what I'm, I'm, you know, I wanna learn from how well you've done. What are some of the tricks to the trade? What are some of the things that you've been able to do? What are some of your accomplishments? And learn from that. It's like, okay, now I'm, you know, my basis last. How do I move up to maybe, you know, uh, two more spots? Take some of the learnings that you that you've had from your experiences, build that into my base, and then all of a sudden I see myself grow. Okay, now that I'm gone from tenth to eighth place, for instance. Okay, how do I now that's my base? Now how do I start to build from that? I may not even know that you started. You started your competitions. Maybe you were last. Yeah, and you built yourself up. All I see is where you are today. So it's like okay, notice that everybody's going to have a trajectory. Everyone's going to have steps to climb that mountain everybody's going to have something can we just acknowledge that like not everybody started from the top at the top we all started somewhere to create our base and then we built from that so how to get curious about what the build was versus what their all their bottom line accomplishment was well that kind of goes back to the social media thing yeah. because a lot of people only see that end result that highlight reel of the like the filters the accomplishments the filters <laughs> so many filters but yeah. that, that's all they see but they don't see everything leading up to this and this right. like idea of an overnight success doesn't exist mm -hmm. like the amount of work people have to put in right. to end up succeeding you just you don't see any of that and you don't see oftentimes all of the sacrifices leading up to that moment right and you know it's it's interesting and i i really I resist the word sacrifice too. Yeah. And the reason why is when, again, when I was going doing, you know, when I was competing, it's, it's very time consuming. Um, and I remember people saying, my God, the things that you would must have to sacrifice. And I was like, well, I'm feeling it more of the things I'm choosing to do. Like I'm making this a choice in my life. I don't feel like I'm sacrificing. I'm making choices. And that feels very different. Where yeah. sacrificing feels like I'm suffering, suffering, right? <laughs> suffering, yeah. And 
making choices is, you know, moving forward with courage and know that sometimes it's going to really suck and it's going to be really hard. And it's a choice that I'm making versus sacrificing. And so this, it, and it's just a, a small little spin, yeah. but it feels to me more empowering to say I make, I'm making choices for versus I'm sacrificing. Well, I discussed that with a nutritionist that I, I chatted with last week and she had the same mentality on, on eating. She's mm. like, it's not so much as focused on the denying, but choosing to add things in that yeah. are, are beneficial to your body as opposed to always focusing on not allowing certain things. Right. How do you go from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset? Right. And it's, it's interesting because I started doing a lot of nutritional coaching as well. And I mean, I'll never, I can't, I, I'm not a nutritionist and she's got certainly a lot more insight. And what I do know is that, you know, if we go in with an abundance mindset, like the nutritionist says, like, how do I add things in versus take things out? And how do I see that as being, um, you know, how do I add in an orange? How do I add in a piece of fruit? How do I add in a little bit of vegetables? You know, that feels more empowering than how do, you know, how do I take away? How do I, you know, create that scarcity? And that scarcity is if we continue with that mindset, eventually one of, one of these days, we're, going to, we're not going to want to live in scarcity anymore. And that's why I say like this egg white diet, yeah. you know, thought process is like, you know, that's, that's living in scarcity. It's not living, um, it's not creating a habit, positive habit or behavior that's sustainable. Uh, I've had people say like, you know, again, these, you know, moment in time pictures that I might post on Facebook, you know, that shows when I'm, I hit the stage and I was in peak condition and the judge, you know, other people might judge you and say, well, I don't want to, I couldn't look like that. It's like, well, I couldn't either. I couldn't, I couldn't stay in that body for 52 weeks of the year. It's impossible. Because then I would feel like I'm living in a world of scarcity. You know, I see that that's a very minute moment in time that might last a day out of 52 weeks of the year. So what a person sees, like you said, what a person sees on Facebook or Instagram, whatever the social media things are these days, is like that's such a minute moment in time. Is it reality or is it just a moment in time? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Some people extrapolate that one moment into a lot longer than what it really is. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, and prepping as an athlete, you know, that competition day isn't like any other day of the year. No, it certainly isn't. No. Yeah. No. I always say like getting ready for a competition is like getting ready to have a baby. I always think about it like that. So Whenever I got ready for competitions, it's like a gestation period. So mm -hmm. it's a 40 week gestation period to have a baby. So, you know, let's say I, I'm choosing, it's like, okay, I'm going to get pregnant to have, you know, to start a family. It's like, okay, so I set the date, I get pregnant, whatever. And then all of a sudden my bodies are my body is changing and I'm making choices. I'm choosing not to drink alcohol. I'm choosing not to do anything that's going to sacrifice the, the, the health of that baby. So it's, I'm compelled to make that happen. It's not even a question. I'm just making that choice. And then I see fluctuations in my body and sometimes it feels good. Sometimes it doesn't feel good. And yet I'm still really compelled to, to have this baby. 
And then all of a sudden, like the closer and closer and closer I get to having the baby, the harder it's now becoming because I'm getting bigger, I'm changing my, my body and all this sort of stuff. Things are things are just changing until it's time to have the baby. It's just like, I just want to get this damn thing out of and as you, good as done. Yeah, as good as done. And then it's like, you have the baby. It's like, well, that wasn't so bad. Maybe we'll have another one. And it's just the same thing as getting ready for a competition. It's like, okay, I'm making the choice. I'm making the choice to, you know, do what I need to do to, to get to hit the stages in my in the best condition possible. And I'm starting to see changes in my body. I'm having to do some course corrections, you know, and all this sort of stuff. And the closer and closer and closer I get to the competition, it's like, God, I just want this damn thing over with. And I hit the stage. And I do well, or I don't do well. I hit the stage. It's like that wasn't so bad. Maybe I'll do it again. And that's what it feels like. And then you go through the whole cycle all, all over again. Yeah, building up, getting yeah. to that moment. Yeah. Going, wow. <laughs> <laughs> right. All this work is for this one moment, and then it's done. And it's done. And then it's over. Yeah. Exactly. And then you're like, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Yeah. But just like kids, it's like, okay, I'm not doing this again. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm that done with kids. I'm yeah. done with competing. <laughs> yeah. So your retreats, mm -hmm. you, we just had one in November. Yeah. And I say we because I, again, had the privilege of coming out to your beautiful retreat. Um, how do you approach them? Like, what is your build-up to the retreat? And, and how do you create such a thing? In terms of the content? Yeah. Oh. Well, again, I think it comes down to, again, just knowing how, if I can make a difference in one person's life and have them see what they are capable of, then I feel like I've just won a million bucks. So I've taken a lot of the learnings that I've had from either any of my coaching uh, certifications that I've taken, any of my leadership programs that I've, that I've taken, all the facilitation that I've done over the last 30 years, and put, kind of put all of that together and said, okay, what is sort of the, the what's the, the real important nuggets that I can put into this retreat that people can um, learn from, that they can resonate with, and then take action and move forward with after the retreat. So that's why like, I talk a little bit about nutrition to kind of get things started, because a, a lot of us are looking for, you know, just creating a better relationship with food. So I talk a little bit about nutrition. And then from then, I then I get into, let's start discovering who our inner critic is. And let's start doing some work around that, get curious around that. And then we also, you know, sprinkle in some wellness things. I've had a, someone come in to do sound therapy, which is wonderful. I have amazing people like yourself come in to do express massages. Um, I have someone who comes in, does acupuncture. All these sort of things, again, to kind of get present to um to help us with just taking care of ourselves a little bit i have someone that comes in that does breath by design so she talks about nutritious breathing um, and i have someone also that does some um yoga type of uh, movements then. so all that sprinkled in uh into that as well and then after we kind of discovered our inner critic and we got a little bit deep then we start to reframe some self-talk and, you know, again, even just noticing the names, like, holy crap, I had no idea how often I was saying, yeah, but, and how we just bring some uh, realization around that. And I also talk about the gift of compliment, which I think is so amazing because we don't necessarily know how to accept that gift of compliment. Um, and so how do we even just notice that? And then from there, that's when we start to rediscover who our inner champion is. And so we kind of break down some of the barriers and then we start to rebuild. 
And then uh, at the end of my retreat, I always do what's called a destination postcard. So let's write to ourselves in present day, like let's just say we're getting a letter from ourselves in the future. And what is it, what's that, what's going to be in that letter? So a person is able to write the letter and then in six months time, I mail it back to them. And they're able to actually see the evolution that they've created over that six month time period. So yeah, so that's kind of what I do in those retreats. And now what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be building on that. And I'm going to be creating a, a women's leadership summit. So um, quite a bit different from my, my wellness retreats um, and yet a lot of similarities. How do you bring leadership? Um, how, do you, how do you create your own leadership abilities to reach your own summit? So how do you break down some of the barriers that you don't necessarily are knowing that's getting in the way of uh, being authentic, of being an authentic leader? So I'm going to talk a lot about how do we not rescue and how do we bring out the, our pure leadership and how do we allow others um, to lead as well without having to rescue. So I'm really excited about that. Um, lots of other topics that I've got in there. I wish I brought my agenda with me. But anyway, so lots of great topics that will really help the leader within to start to shine a lot more. So that's going to be at Digby Pines on International Women's Days, the first day of the retreat, or the summit, I should say. So it's at Digby Pines, March 8th to 10th. And what I'm really hoping to do is that I'm really hoping that organizations will sponsor delegates to come. Um, they, and sponsor their leaders of today and or tomorrow to come to the to this event um, so they can really again help their delegates help their employees to reach their own personal summit and bring that back into the organization it's brilliant leadership skills mm -hmm. are are the utmost importance yep and the backbone of a lot of leadership skills is communication big time yeah Yes, and actually, I'm glad that you said that too, because that's one of the things I'm going to talk about at the retreat as well. Is like how do we, how do we create positive and authentic leadership with communication? And so, one of the things I am going to be doing is is talking about, um, especially with if leaders are working with employees or whatever, is like how do we create that psychological safety amongst each other so we can build trust with each other, and how do we reframe words that help us create a positive relationship to move forward and i don't want to say too much i want to you know it's oh, yes. a little bit of a teaser but i really think it's important that we bring that and we're going to do a lot of immersive experiences as well within the uh within the summit the other thing that i'm going to be doing talking about immersive experiences is i'm also going to talk about um is how do we get creativity back into leadership so creativity leads to innovation and you have to have authentic you have to be authentic to get creative and then how do you go go and then creativity leads to innovation and any organization that grows has has a creative mindset like growth mindset so we're actually going to do an immersive experience around building creativity and leadership that people are actually going to be able to take back home with them back to their uh, it, whether they want it in their office or in their home, as a reminder of when I bring in a creative mindset, this is the outcome. Well, and it's important for for leaders leaders to recognize that creativity in themselves and build their own creativity. Mm -hmm. But then they also have to facilitate the creativity of everybody that they're leading. Right, and it all comes from example. It all starts. It all starts with us. 
right? We can't we can't expect other people to bring out their authentic style and their creative style unless we do it. So, you know, we are going to, uh, if we don't embody that as leaders, we don't give other people permission to embody it. So even if we, we might say the words, but are we actually walking the walk? And so are we actually bringing that in? Are we showing up like that as in our own authentic style? Or are we putting on this facade? And whatever energy that we give off is what is going to be embodied by others within the organization. So if we can give ourselves permission to bring our authentic leadership style to the business, then we give other people permission to do the same. Well, and people no, don't necessarily, um, I don't, it's not about recognizing somebody who's in a leadership role as being authentic, but you, you can tell when somebody's yeah. being their true selves. There's yeah. just this feeling you get yeah. about how they approach things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's right. And, that, and I always say, it's like, you know, you got to be so careful because we might be talking it. Talk with people, and we've all heard this like the saying, people don't remember what you say, they remember how you make them feel. And that's the thing. It's like, what's the energy that we're giving off? So we're giving off that authentic energy. We're giving off that curiosity mindset, that growth mindset, that vulnerable, that, you know, vulnerability. Then we give permission for others like, oh my God, okay, if this person's doing it, I, I feel it, I can sense it. They, don't, they didn't say one word to me, yet I sense this is where they, I get that feeling of authenticity from them. It just, it's like it's glowing around them. So now it's like, okay, well, they're being like that. I can be like that. And then so on and so on. That's the ripple effect. And it goes back to the dot, dot, dot. Because then yeah. you're filling it in with something that's authentic as opposed to, you know, getting into that own mindset and story of how you're going to assume how people are going to respond. Yeah. And you assume so negatively, you can make those assumptions in a more positive way. Right. Exactly. And I'm going to be talking about assumption planning at the, at the summit as well. And I think that's so important for leaders because we all, again, we all, we're all going to fill in, you know, the dot, dot, dot with either quicksand of negativity or with create, with, uh, with, um, with authenticity. And that's, you know, how do we create that? How do we create that, that space to have that healthy conversation around that? So that's going to be discussed at the summit as well. Well, and that conversation is so important because then again, they're not going to just be filling it in with whatever they have already assumed because you've actually had the dot, dot, dot conversation. Right. Exactly. You've actually filled in the real words to finish the thought yeah. and the conversation. And so people don't need to make the assumption if you're communicating and open to communication. Right. Because then they ask a question as opposed to just filling in the answer on their own. Right. Exactly. And that, so the retreat for the Women's Summit is in March. So the Women's Leadership Summit yeah. is uh, March 8th to 10th at Digby Pines. And um, yeah, and then I'm going to be holding a wellness retreat in June at a place called, a place called uh, Fossil Farms, which is in uh, Merigamish in Pictou County. Nice. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Nice new location. Um, yes, yeah, so leadership. Is going to be uh, March eighth to tenth, and then the wellness one's going to be 
on uh, June 9th to 11th, I think. So for the Women's um, Summit, mm -hmm. who would you say would be, who would that benefit? Who should be coming to those? And how should you be approaching that if you do decide to? Yeah, so anybody, and I say anybody in a leadership um, position and thriving to be in a leadership position. So it's not just existing leaders, it's the leaders of tomorrow as well. And so what I always say is that this is going to be like professional development. So um, talk to your organization, get them to sponsor you. Get them to, to you know, say and, and show them the reasons why, what the desired outcome is and what the outcomes are going to be from this uh, summit and have them, you know, support you and invest in your leadership capabilities and get them to, you know, make sure you, you're, you're able to, to get a spot there because it's a limit, limited number of spots that we're going to have. Um, or as, you know, just sign up. Everything's on my website, changechamp.ca. Go into the events um, part, and you'll see the summit information there. Um, and I always say, reach out to me as well if you need more information. But I, I say, again, the, you know, the who, the, I guess, the people that are really going to take the, um, uh, who is really, this is, this is for, is anybody in a, leader, in a leadership position and or striving to get into a leadership position. So in other words, the leaders of today and the leaders of tomorrow. And your retreat in June. Retreat for in June, anywhere um, I would say it's like, again, anybody that's looking to create some self-care for themselves. And, um, you know, I think we all deserve self-care. It's just, you know, some of us just don't want to invest in ourselves it's like okay get out of that barrier anybody that's looking for some physical mental and emotional well-being that would be a really great place to go for that so i would say any woman that is looking for uh to create some self-care around themselves personal growth personal growth and it's worth it to invest in yourself mm -hmm. um self-care just doesn't have to be you know buying that new thing right sometimes we i think Self-care um, is an interesting concept for some people because they don't necessarily want to put the money in when it's coming to working on themselves and personal development, right. but they will indulge in other areas. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, they might think it's selfish to yeah. put money into themselves. And I always say is that if we can't be good for ourselves, how are we ever going to be good for others? And what is the example that we want to give to our children? Because we want our children to be, you know, to thrive, to be authentic, to bring their authenticity into the space, um, to take care of themselves. And again, it all comes down to if we don't embody that in ourselves, then how are we ever going to give them permission to do the same? So give our ourselves the opportunity and gift ourselves with that you know weekend of self-care because then once we do it's like oh my gosh if my mom can do it then I can do it yeah and it creates success in yourself yeah and you approach life differently when you can reach those little successes oh yeah yeah and it's life-changing it really is and I mean again that's what people anybody that's come to my retreat has said how how transformative it is. 
and whether they, you know, they have that aha moment at the retreat or they have the aha moment after the retreat. They're going to learn when they're ready to learn. They're given the information and then, you know, all the aha moments that come, after, you know, either at the retreat or after. But everybody says how transformative it is. So, yes, bring your, bring your people. <laughs> bring your people. <laughs> bring an open mind. Yes. And uh, approach it from a positive mindset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll work on that when we get there, too. Well, that's the whole plan of the retreat. Right. Exactly. Well, I won't take up any more of your time. I did say it would be about an hour. It was lovely. It went by incredibly fast. Yeah. <laughs> incredibly fast. Yes, it has. Um, uh, I really appreciate it. And I will definitely be picking your brain again. Hopefully mm -hmm. on another show. I'd love that. Perfect. Thank you. You're welcome.